This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelor. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts, we're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image, I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks. I almost don't want to start the interview off this way because I know every single other person has started it this way. But considering that this is smeared across your book cover and it's such a poignant question at this time more than ever, I've got to ask, how are you really Jenna Kuchar? Oh my gosh. Well, first off, the answer is partially inspired by you all these years ago, but I can genuinely say that I am vibrant. Like I feel energetically aligned in a way that I never have before. And the word vibrant was given to me as a gift from you as a goal. And I feel that way. I'm also exhausted, which is the other side of the coin because I have a toddler who is in a toddler bed who wakes up 18 times in the middle of the night with the most ridiculous questions and ideas. She wanted to go on a walk to find a treasure at three in the morning. And so while I'm getting the least amount of sleep of my life, I am also feeling the most energetically aligned. And so that dichotomy of both really expresses the answer to the question. (laughs) I love what you just said, because it's so true. We can be two things at once. And sometimes that's a bit confusing, but the energetically aligned piece, when you're existing from that space, there's no cup of coffee that can compare. There's no 10 hour sleep that can compare. Nothing is as good for the soul, the mind, body, soul as when we are you know, living out our purpose. And so I'm so excited to chat with you about that. Jenna and I have known each other for years and I've had the opportunity to work with her in a few different capacities. I remember following along on the work that you were doing back when you were a full-time photographer and doing your beautiful calligraphy prints and coffee mugs and all these cool things. And you were in a season of trying for a baby and Mm -hmm. living through multiple multiple miscarriages. I had just finished my health coaching, life coaching certification and reached out to you as a friend to say, you know, if you'd ever be interested in doing some sessions with me, I'm right here. And you responded right back and we're like, yes, I'm in. And so we started on this cool journey together. And here you are years later, you've just released a book, a mom of two running this huge empire of a business, but also like so grounded and humble and giving back to women constantly. I mean, I get goosebumps just sitting here and being here with you. For those who are listening who don't know you, if you had to pinpoint sort of three key moments in your life that really changed everything, that just shifted that trajectory even slightly, what would you tell the audience about? Oh, that's a great question. 
The first one would be the moment that my boss in my corporate job gave me my five-year plan and didn't ask me what I wanted in my life in five years, but literally just laid it out for me. And I had this gut feeling of like, this isn't right. And I don't want this. And that was a really big moment for me. I grew up in Minnesota. My parents worked the same jobs for 30 years. We were, you know, celebrating the fact that I had a salary and a 401k. And here I was feeling ungrateful grateful for something that so many people would pray for. But at the same point, I felt so out of alignment with my creative being that I just knew that that wasn't for me, but I didn't know what was. And so that was the first time that I really paid attention to the fact that sometimes we don't know what our passions are, but we do know what we don't want. And sometimes the things that we don't want can guide us forward. And that happened for me. So that was moment one. Moment two was when I changed my mind, which I think is such a beautiful thing, and went from being someone who said, I never want to be a mom to someone who deeply desired it and couldn't, and living in a space of holding this new vision, but having it not be fulfilled, kind of in that almost stage And walking through a waiting season, but learning how to work through it and not in a way that wasn't healthy, but to work through it in a way that guided me to be the type of mom that I deeply desired being. So that would be moment two. And I would say moment three is ever evolving and happening on a daily basis, which is just being a mom to two little ones and really relishing in the fact that like they are such incredible teachers to me and that I am being challenged daily to be a mirror of what I want them to know and believe and exist with. And so I would say number three is just constant, but it's just that journey through motherhood, balancing being an ambitious entrepreneur, but also wanting to be a present mom. Mm, Beautiful. I mean, there's so much that we could unpack from that one answer in and of itself. Talk to us about what the book is about. Like what inspired the book? Because you were working corporate and now here you are running this educational business with this massive community. But the shift, like it's been years in the making to get from that corporate job to where you are now, you worked as a wedding photographer for years Mm -hmm. in between. And so like what inspired this book and what is it all about? There's so many topics that you could write on. So there's a line that I want everyone listening to think about and meditate and take with you. So just like I took the word vibrant from Aaron years ago, I want for this line to just be a chorus in your life. And for years, I said I would never write a book. I never had the desire, just like I never had the desire to be a mom until I did. And this is a funny story. I'll keep it short, but it is very pertinent. I was celebrating my 10-year anniversary with my husband, Drew. We were living in a town of 1,200 in the northernmost part of Minnesota. We were three hours away from a Target. We were in the middle of nowhere. And to celebrate our 10-year anniversary, I booked us massages at this tiny little quaint massage place. And when I got to my massage, the massage therapist said to me, she said, I'm an intuitive healer. I'll be doing your massage today. Let's get on the table. And after my massage was done, she said, can I tell you what came up for you today? And I'm super open-minded. You know me, Erin. And so I said, sure, tell me what came up. And she said, there's something that you need to do and you know what it is and you need to go out and do it. And just that line, immediately when she said it, I knew it was write a book, which is so funny. 
Because she said, do you know what I'm talking about? And I said, yes. And I feel like every person listening to this podcast, if I said to you, there's something you need to do and you know what it is, now go out and do it. You know what comes up for you. It's something. It could be to leave the nine to five or leave the marriage or pursue the relationship or have the child or whatever that is. It could be a million things, but you likely know what it is. And the minute she said that, I knew I had to write a book, which was so crazy because honestly, with her intuitive powers, all I wanted to know was would I be able to have another baby? And she said, this has to come before the baby. And so I was given this timing and this divine message, which I could have ignored or I could have written off, but I took it very seriously. I came home from the massage and I had the table imprint on my face and Drew said, how was it? And I said, I have to write a book. And he goes, I am so confused how a massage told you that you need to do this project, but it was so clear to me. And so I opened up a Google Doc that day and within three months had written the original manuscript without a book deal, without a deadline, without an agent, without a publisher, because I felt finally like I had to just do this thing. And so it's fascinating because when I first wrote and when I first started writing, I started writing from a business perspective because I love entrepreneurship. I love strategy. I love marketing. I run the number one marketing podcast in the country. Of course, I would write about business. But when I really got to the heart of things and when I really got honest with myself, I love entrepreneurship because it gives me the freedom and the choice to live my life in a way that I feel fully awake to. And that message to me was so much stronger than go out and start a business and file for an LLC. That message resonates whether you work in an office or you stay at home with your children or you run an empire. And so the book evolved as we all do over the two years of the process of the journey. And it is what you see today, which is all about how to come home to yourself, which is something, Erin, that you allowed me and invited me to do years ago. Wow. What if in 2024, you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you speak a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, plus all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited Titan deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash raw beauty talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. One thing that I've noticed with you is you don't always follow the rules. Jenna, like you, I never, you left your safe corporate job 
and what you had been raised to believe was the safety zone, the 401k. And then you started a photography business without, if I remember, any education in how to do photography. You just bought a camera off of Craigslist and off you went on your way. Correct. And then you wrote a book without having an agent. I mean, somebody like you could get an agent in a heartbeat. You could have, you know, the whole web. You could have your copywriters support you in writing it. You sat down and wrote an entire book in three months without – you did it backwards. You essentially I did, it, did backwards. it backwards. Intentionally, though. <laughs> so intentionally. You want to know why? Why? Because every time that I've had a dream and I've brought in either a deadline or a dollar – it changes it for me. It squashes my creativity and it makes me focus on the wrong things. And I had this deep desire to write words that tell and not words that sell. And I knew that the minute a book deal and a deadline came in, I would stare at a blinking cursor into oblivion and the process would be so much harder. My creativity wouldn't be honored and what I wanted to write wouldn't necessarily be invited in. And so I wanted to do it intentionally backwards to protect my creativity, but also as someone who has changed her mind over and over and over again, I wanted to prove to myself that even if nobody ever read it, it was a worthy pursuit. And as somebody who lives such a public life and shares so much of her work publicly, it was the first time in years that I did something just for me. And it changed the depth of the project and it changed what it means to me and it changed the pursuit and it made the pursuit fun. Like I am the author who literally loved every part of this process because it all like came from me in a way that served the vision. Listening to this, I'm just nodding my head. I went the other route, found an agent, started working on it. This agent that I'm working with is incredible, but it felt so stressful. I was now morphing everything that I teach and my life experience into the framework that somebody else needed it to be to sell it. So we've pushed complete pause and now I'm going about it the Jenna Kutcher way because I too am a creative and I need space and I'm a people pleaser. So as soon as I'm trying to take into account what everyone else needs, then I can't focus on what I need. And I think so many humans experience just that, whether it's in their career or their Mm -hmm. role as a mom. It's like, what have we been told we should do? And then trying to replicate that. But there's so much power in rocking the boat and doing it our own way. Now, here's the thing. That can feel really scary terrifying, in fact. And I think for a lot of people, it drums up a lot of self-doubt. Who am I to Mm -hmm. rework this or to do it a different way? And, you know, if I do it a different way and it doesn't work, then I'm a failure. How do you navigate those moments of self-doubt? Do you even feel that ever? Yes and no. I mean, I have a really weird level of confidence, which I like, I'm, I'm not afraid to admit that it's coming from a place of yeah. like, I have out, like my daughter is the same way. Like Coco, if we go on a plane, like she wants to walk to the bathroom just to wave to every single person, even the sleeping ones, because she just like loves lighting people up. So yes, I do have a high level of confidence, but 
I've had to reframe what success and failure is and how it's defined in my life over and over and over again. And what I think is so important is that if we can stop looking at things with labels in that way and start looking at the things that we're curious about or the new ideas or the things we want to try as experiments, an experiment is never a success or failure. An experiment simply yields a result and the result guides us forward on the path. And so from starting my podcast, sitting in my parked car in my garage in the cold winter of Wisconsin to, you know, having a watercolor print shop, all of these things were experiments. And I never committed myself and I never brought money or deadlines into those things. Because then if I decided this isn't for me, I just looked at the results and decided my path forward. And so I think it's really fascinating the world that we live in with social media almost being this like peer reviewed journal. And us wanting to show the finished, the after all of the time, we're never given ourselves this chance to really like stand at a starting line and be like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm going to tiptoe my way across. I'm going to figure it out. And whatever I do is just going to give me a result. And so I feel like I have to very intentionally create opportunities in my life where I am just a student and I am just learning or trying and I am just playing for the sake of playing and not for the output. I mean, if you've ever done Play-Doh with your child and built like the most perfect snowman and then shoved it back into the canister at the end of the day, you recognize that like you need to enjoy the art of playing just as much as you enjoy the byproduct of it. And so for me, it's just like reframing, like there are no successes and failures. Like even the things that society would say was a failure that I've tried in the past has been a result that has guided me on the path. And so I think that's just like a simple reframing that gives us permission to try and to say like, I don't know how to do this, or I don't know what's next, or I don't know if I'm going to follow through on this in the way that maybe I anticipate or hope I will, but I'm going to try anyways. It changes everything. Can you give us an example of a time when maybe for a moment you're like, hmm, this is not going right. And it could be in parenthood or it could be in business when looking back in hindsight, you're like, oh, like I carried that skill I learned there into this. Yeah, a million times. I mean, when I was a photographer, there was one summer where I was like, I'm going to do senior portraits. Like you literally take pictures for an hour and you make hundreds of dollars because parents want every photo of their kid. And I did it for a summer and hated it. It was like the worst thing I ever did. And I didn't do it again. I literally did it once. I followed through on my commitment and I was like, nope, that's not for me. There was an opportunity and tons of opportunities to speak on massive stages. And for a season in my life, that just wasn't appealing. Like it was really shiny and felt really important and like an ego boost. But when I looked at what my values were, it was, you know, being there to put my kids to bed and be there when my daughter wakes up. And like that was just like a no. And so it's really fascinating because I think a lot of times, We say yes to things because we believe we've been taught this belief through Disney movies, through books that like someone is going to hand us our big break. And if we are saying no to things, we are the ones to blame that we haven't gotten that big break yet. But what that dispels is this belief that like we can create our own opportunities and we can create our own big breaks. And that's what I want my daughters to know. Like I want them to celebrate that. Like if they want to do something, they can try it and they can create their own opportunity. And so there have been many times on the path where I'm like, 
I'm going to try this thing. I did a mastermind for a year, loved it. Part of it was the best work I've ever done in my life. Like you could catch me on a moment and I would be like, this is the most important work I've ever done in my entire life. And then there were moments where I was like, I will never do this again. And I haven't done it again. (laughs) And maybe I will in the future, but like the way I did it just wasn't right. And so, yeah, I do it all the time and I change my mind all the time and I contradict myself all the time. And I've learned to welcome that because it means that I am a human being on the path and learning and changing. I think there's a lot of pressure right now for women to love themselves and to find their authentic self and to know who they are. I personally find that this is an evolving journey. It's not like you just peel back the layer and you're like, oh, there I am. It's a constant discovery process. And so I love this question that you asked that the intuitive healer on the massage table asked of what is one thing that you know that you should be doing that you aren't doing and it's time to do it now. So that's a great guiding question to support people who are feeling a little lost or feeling out of touch with themselves in coming home to that next layer of who they are. Any other tools or things that support you in remembering to come home to yourself, remembering who you are when those big shiny objects are there or the Instagram likes or the, you know, whatever it is at work that's stressful or at home. How do you support yourself in coming home to you? Drew and I, we were driving home in our car and talking about a friend of ours. And we were like, I wonder what her hobbies are, like outside of motherhood and work. And we were like kind of talking about it. And all of a sudden I was like, babe, what are our hobbies? Like, what do we do outside of work and parent? And it was kind of this wake up call of like, what are we beyond these two hats that we wear, you know, workers and mothers or whatever that is. And it was such a beautiful invitation of us. Like we're very different people than we were when we got married at the age of 23. How are we in pursuit of who we are becoming and what does it look like to introduce play back into our lives? And I know for me as a mom, that has been a huge thing for me because before I had children, work was it. Like work was the way that I measured my success. Work was my output. Work was, you know, how I worked through the days. And with motherhood, it has really challenged me to kind of open up different sides and explore different facets of who I am and who I want to be. I think the pandemic was this beautiful like burnout to breakthrough moment for a lot of people if you invited it in because for so long in our lives, we were like, when I have time, I will get out the bike. When I have time, I will hike again. When I have time, I'll do puzzles. When I have time, I will play the piano. When I have time, I will learn Mandarin, like whatever that thing is. And a lot of us had to face this reality of like, if we were fortunate enough, we were given the gift of time during the pandemic with commutes being cut or work being transitioned or different things happening. And we had to face ourselves and say, am I living into what I said I would when I got the gift of time? Because here it is. And now our pockets of time are deeper than some of us had hoped for. And maybe I'm not who I said I would have been, or maybe I'm not the healthiest version of myself, or maybe I'm turning to different crutches that I have in the past, or maybe I'm just distracting myself from facing it. And so for me, I've had to learn the art of playing again, which is so hard as somebody who loves to create and create output. And so, you know, Drew and I, we spent our pandemic experience up in the woods and we found ourselves doing things that like I swore I would never do. I got hiking boots and I enjoyed 
enjoyed hiking. And we dusted off the bikes and got out a little bike trailer and went on these rides with Coco. And like, we became almost this different version of ourselves. We did puzzles on our dining room table every night. And it was really a great reminder that like inviting creativity in your life through play is only going to inspire beautiful things, whether it is in your work or your relationships or even just your relationship with yourself. And so play feels counterintuitive when we already feel so busy where it's like, you want me to do what? But every time I invite that into my life, I come out feeling more creative, more inspired, more filled up. Yes, I completely agree. And also struggle with play as somebody who loves my work. I mean, I've had so many conversations with Scott about this where he's like, babe, you need something to turn off your head. You need something enjoyable. I'm like, I love my work. It is my creativity. It is my fun. It's like, if you asked me, what would I do if I had spare time? I would do exactly what I'm doing. And I'm so lucky for that. But what I was experiencing was cycles of burnout over and over and over again. And so I've really had to do the same thing to relearn how to play and what that feels like for me and not just to be more productive, yes, but for joy, yes, for pleasure. Have we ever thought about like that we're trying to be more productive so that we have more time to be more productive? It's like, where does the buck stop? Like, I love efficiency to the point of like, I will like count how many steps it takes for me to get from one room to the other. But at the same point too, I'm like, we are so obsessed with being efficient in order to free up more time that we don't even enjoy. And there's this story in the book where it's like this monk goes to New York City and his tour guide is like, hey, we can save 10 minutes if we go into the depths of the city and take the subway. And so they emerge from the subway and the monk goes and sits on a park bench. And the tour guide is like, what are you doing? And the monk says, I'm going to enjoy the 10 minutes we just saved. And I feel like that is such a beautiful reminder for people who are driven, who are achievers, who are, you know, focused on an output and measuring their worth through that, that like, yes, efficiency is beautiful. I love it. But if we are in the art of saving time, then we should also relish in the fact that we can spend that time in a way that fills us back up. Mm. Little claps for that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm right there with you. It wouldn't be the Raw Beauty Talks podcast without a conversation about body image. And you have always beautifully opened yourself up in this conversation since the beginning of it even being a conversation, right? Like the reason that we even connected was because... I was regramming a lot of your posts where you would show up in a bathing suit and talk about how you were feeling or in your underwear and talk about how you were feeling, which was a bold move because you're this wedding photographer who's now posting photos in her underwear in a time when not so many people were doing that. But it was so empowering and just so beautiful. It was applauded by so many and so many women could just take this deep sigh of relief and it allowed so much space for women to show up as they were. But it also invited a lot of really cruel comments and mean comments. I remember that moment when one of your posts went viral. You showed a picture of you and Drew And I'll let you describe Drew because he's your husband. But tell us a little bit about that moment and how your body image has allowed you to connect to your community and to the work that you do as an entrepreneur. 
It was crazy because, I mean, I've been talking about this for a long time. Like you scroll back and you see it. And it was so weird. Something about going viral is like you literally have no control over it. And that's the blessing and the curse of it, right? I posted this photo of myself and Drew. And for the record, I think I look great. You in do. That photo. You do. You are um, vibrant. Speaking of vibrant, <laughs> you look incredible. Oh, and Drew, my husband, is he his passion is fitness. It has always been. He is just someone that is wired that way. And he looks like a Greek god. Like I just sometimes look at him and I'm like, you could be a statue in the Smithsonian, and I would look at your butt the same way. <laughs> and that is just who he is. And I am curvier, but it's also hilarious to me because I'm a very straight, like standard size woman. Like I would struggle to even label myself as plus size or any of the words that society wants to give. And I basically was clapping back at a comment because someone had asked me, like, how did I manage to land a guy like Drew, which the wording, it just makes me want to vomit. But anyways, I don't usually clap back at anything. And that really struck a chord because I think one thing when it comes to body image is that a lot of times when we share things about ourselves or talk about our insecurities, it can almost be this like coping mechanism of like, if I call this thing out, you can't weaponize it against me. And when someone had asked me that question, it really triggered this deep insecurity that I had believed for so long that when people saw myself with my husband, that they just believed we were mismatched or that they questioned how it was that we were together. And so getting that DM from a stranger just triggered this, like everyone's thinking this, even though it was just from one person. And so when I responded to it, you know, him and I have been together since we were in college. So we met when we were 18 years old, we've been through a lot of life. My body has been through a lot of different seasons from seasons where I wasn't eating enough to seasons where I had gained a little weight. And he had loved me through every single season, never once questioning my worth based on my body. And so when that post went viral, it was one of the greatest things that ever happened to us. But at the same time, it was one of the hardest things. And what people didn't know is that when we were going viral, we were trying again for the third time to get pregnant and have a baby. And so my relationship with my body was so complex in that season where it wasn't just about weight or curves or cellulite. It was about this like internal deep desire to be a mom and having felt like my miscarriages were somehow this failure of my body to do the thing it was meant to do. And so, you know, there was so many people that resonated with the message and that was why it went viral. But there were also so many people who were saying like, don't call her curvy. Fat is fat. And, you know, she's a whale, a beached whale and all these things. And like, you remember those exact words, right? Like you remember that. And I think for me, it wasn't even necessarily the comments about me or my body, but it was the fact that my husband was brought into those conversations. I chose this. I've chosen to share this part of my life. I've opened myself up to that part. But what I didn't and don't allow for is for people to pull in, you know, thoughts on my family or who they are or what they deserve or whatever. And so it was a really fascinating experience. I can now look at it and, you know, be grateful that it brought a lot of people into my world and my life so that I could impact them. But it was also just a very tender season in our lives that really I needed to like protect myself through it. What does that look like behind the scenes? Like, are you like 
doing little excited dances? Or are you breaking down? What kind of conversations are you and Drew having in that moment? It was fascinating because like I didn't have a PR team. I didn't have anybody. And like I'm fielding calls from like the Ellen show during my fertile window. And we're like, quick, hurry, let's try to get pregnant. Oh, we got to jump on the phone with Ellen. I mean, it was almost hilarious. We were also moving states at that time. Like there's just so much happening in our lives. And it was one of those things where it was like strike while the iron is hot, like take the opportunity while they are coming because anything about virality is like it lasts for a minute. So seize the opportunities that will help spur the message forward, but also create boundaries around like what you're looking at and how you're consuming the other side of it as well. And so I felt like I was living in like a social experiment and it was just fascinating, but also we kind of just had to giggle about it because to him and I, it was like our bodies are just like the tiniest facet of us and who we are as a couple and in a relationship. It's just so indicative though of how we as a society view humans. It's like Drew is his abs and Jenna is her curves, if you want to even call it that, right? Or whatever (laughs) label you're putting on it. But you're too multifaceted, multidimensional humans with so much more there. And so this is just a reminder for anybody who's listening in, who's having a bad body image day or who's feeling judgmental of a part of yourself. Remember how many pieces and parts there are that make you into the human that you are. We cannot define ourselves by these linear, simple pieces of ourselves. There's just Mm -hmm. so much more and we have to keep looking for that. We have to keep reminding ourselves of all that we are and continue to be. I'm curious in regards to self-care when you've got this book launch going on, a mom of two, a wife, like so many different roles and so many different hats. And you're probably in one of the busier seasons of your life. What do you do to look after yourself, to fill your cup back up? You know what's so interesting, Erin, is like my health journey and stuff has just been like this roller coaster for years. And I've tried so many things and they don't stick. And then I feel shame. And then I, you know, it's this cycle. And I recently kind of unpacked this. And it has to kind of do with that viral post of like, Drew will always be the pinnacle of health. And so why don't I just stay in my lane and be the really good business person? And what does that look like? And Something that I've really paid attention to lately is, you know, when people show before and after pictures, everyone is so obsessed with the what and the how. Like, what were you doing to lose that weight? How did you do that? What do you know? And no one ever asks the why. And the why is the number one reason why somebody can do the what and the how. And my why was always anchored in the wrong things. And I was recently talking to one of my like closest friends and we talk about health and stuff together and we kind of hold each other accountable because we're both busy entrepreneurs. And she said, I remember after you had Quinn, you told me, you just said your goal this year is to just feel vibrant. It wasn't about losing the weight. It wasn't about fitting into a certain size. It wasn't about a number on a scale. It was just to feel this feeling and you'll know when you feel it. And I recognize that like I right now am stretched thin only because I love both parts of my life so much. I love all the parts. I love motherhood so much. And I love my business and this book so much. And the only reason why I feel stretched thin is because it's so much love for a human (laughs) to carry. And I need the energy to do both things and to do them well. And I... I'm so proud of myself. And I can like say that with just like so much love for who I am and who I'm becoming because 
I used to, you know, take my most productive hours and like pour myself into work. And then I would, you know, shut the computer and then, you know, go to motherhood. And like, even today, Drew left and brought Coco to school and Quinn was in the car with him. And I went and sat and meditated in front of a red light for 20 minutes. And, you know, it was just these things where it was like, I never prioritized those things because to me, just like play was a waste of time. Those types of things were looked at as a waste of time. And I have just really prioritized and looked at different ways that like I truly can look at food as fuel, which for me for so long, food was punishment or reward. It wasn't like the actual thing that sustained my energy. And now I'm like, okay, like I have a banana right here because I know I'm going to get hungry during my interviews and I would reach for Cheetos if the banana didn't exist, you know, things like that. And so I've really been on this journey of one, understanding not just health things, but how they actually impact my personal body. Because you could tell me all of the science in the world, but if I don't know that when I eat gluten, my body responds negatively, I'm going to eat the gluten. And so I have to learn how what I decide and what I do impacts me personally and see those effects for me to understand. There are some people where you can tell them, don't touch the stove, it's hot. And there are other people who need to touch the stove to understand that it's hot and I'm the toucher. And so I've really just been on this journey. Um, I put up a habit tracker next to my coffee maker, not just because I like to drink coffee. I actually don't drink a ton of coffee, but two, because I know Drew goes into that room and sees my habit tracking and that accountability of just, you know, I am investing in myself in these ways from taking AM and PM vitamins to laying on a PEMF mat and relaxing at the end of the day and getting into all these nerdy things that really helped me to be energized. And then I'm also really holding tight to boundaries and working in a way that is exemplary of the messages in the book, because I decided when I write this book, I will do every single piece of it in alignment, which has been my greatest reward and my greatest challenge in this process of doing it. And so I have done that. I work ahead. I don't work from a place of urgency. I communicate my boundaries. I don't overextend myself. And so it is crazy because I'm getting the least amount of sleep in my life ever, not by choice. I love sleep, but I am the most energized because of the way that I'm prioritizing that piece and how I want to feel every day. Mm, beautiful. So I'm hearing boundaries and getting really clear on what your priorities are. I'm hearing that your why has shifted over the years in regards to health and wellness from what it was in your early 20s, which I don't want to make presumptions, but I know for me, what my why was in my teens and early 20s to look was good. all about weight. It was all about <laughs> yes. the way that I look. That's the reason yes. I did it all. Whereas now it's all about fueling yourself, going after this core desired feeling, as I call them, which is for you vibrant. So what actions will I take that will move the needle closer to being vibrant versus depleted, exhausted, fatigued, burnt out, stressed? Yeah. And then I'm also hearing that for you, it doesn't have to be a one-hour workout and a 30-minute meditation. You're fitting these moments of self-care in between the facets of life. And I think that's really yeah. doable and much more manageable for a lot of people. I've recently had a shift. My meditation teacher has been saying this to me for years, but that the individuals who have successfully shown up to do their meditation day after day after day for years and years and years, they don't work their meditation around their life. They work their life 
around their meditation. And you can take this idea and apply it to a lot of different things. So once you uncover, okay, these are the things that I know I need in order to feel more vibrant, whether it's supplements or getting some sleep. It took me a long time to get here, but we get to the place eventually where we start working our life around those things because we understand if they're not there, there's no foundation and everything will crumble. That being said, we also go through seasons where we're not sleeping or there's a book launch and that's okay, but we've got to balance it out on either side so that, you know, we're able to really support and lift ourselves. Yeah. So I would ask everyone who's listening right now, what is one thing that helps you fill your tank? It can be five minutes. It can be a 10 minute walk after dinner, whatever it is that you know is really supportive to you feeling the way that you want to feel. And what would it look like to start working your life around that versus the other way around? Jenna, I ask everyone at the end of the podcast, if they were to write an email that was going to land in the inbox of everyone's email provider tomorrow, and it was the last message that you could send, what would you say? Wake up to your life like it's happening right now. Could make me cry. But I just think we're like often waiting and like we're wasting. And I think that all I want for people to do is to enjoy the journey because so many of us have set these destinations, these pinpoints on the map and hated the ride or we've arrived and it wasn't the right destination in the first place. And so I think just wake up to the fact that you are living your life right now. I think when you ask anyone who is on their last breaths what they wish they had more of, it's time. And so time is our currency and time is our lives. And like, this is a gift that we have and we must bestow it upon ourselves to really enjoy this time. And I think to partner with that, if we want to move through life and enjoy the journey, we have to pay attention to that inner voice. And you helped me do that. I literally say the line that you said to me, like a dial on the stereo, you turn the volume up of that like inner knowing. And if we take this full circle and bring it all the way back to the massage therapist, there is something that you need to do and you know what it is. So go out and do it. And before we sign off, I have to say, everyone needs to get their hands on this book because there's a chapter about Aaron in the book. And I can't even talk about it because I'll cry. So you'll have to read it. But it was just about how on that journey, that DM led to this vision. And it was a vision that I clung to for years. Um, I wish I could give you a hug right now because (laughs) there was so much heartache during that time. And it just like the best part of my job is seeing women step into this life that they imagine. And it doesn't always happen for people in that way. But I think you fully embodied every part of the journey. And here you are today. I'm so honored to be in the pages of your book to share that that same vision exercise. You got to get the book in order to do the same exercise that I took Jenna through. And it changed my life. You guys just have to know it literally changed my life. When I picture you in my life, you're like holding the candle in the Mm. darkness of like, here's this little light, just follow it. Mm. And I think everyone should do that. 
I'm so, so, so honored to have, you know, been there for that moment, that chapter in your life. I'm cheering you on forever and always. And let's get this book out to the world, girlfriend. Let's do it. Go grab it. I'll make sure that the link is in the bio. Is there anywhere else that people can find you? We'll make sure that your Instagram's down below. JennaKucher.com has so much goodness. Yes. Has all the things. Yeah. And you can just go to howareyoureallybook.com or pick it up wherever books are sold. If you go to that link, we have some extra freebies in there for you just as a thank you for supporting this book and this mission and this message. And just thank you, Miss Erin, for being a part of my life and my journey and for being my candle holder in the darkness. I'm so grateful for you and grateful to be on this show with you today. We have come a long way, girlfriend. <laughs> we have come a long way. <laughs> Cheers to us. <laughs> Raising my decaf oat milk latte to you. <laughs> have a great week, everyone. Take a screenshot of this episode. Let Jenna and I know what resonated the most. Take what lands with you. Leave the rest behind and we'll see you next week. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Please take a moment to rate, review, or follow on your favorite podcast app and share this episode with someone that you think could benefit. Join the Rob Beauty Talks community at Rob Beauty Talks. And remember, it's your story, your body, your mind, and your journey. So think about what resonates with you and leave the rest behind. I'll see you next week. Hey there, I'm Dr. Tracy Dalgleish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. If there's one thing I know from both my personal and clinical experience, it's that we are really good at comparing ourselves to others. We tend to get stuck in the unhelpful narratives that play on repeat in our minds, and we struggle to set boundaries and create healthy love. Each week, I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife, mother, and business owner to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you you change the dialogue in your life. Tune in every Thursday to I'm Not Your Shrink wherever you listen to podcasts. While I'm not your shrink, I am still human and I'm excited for us to be in our vulnerability and humanness together.